You're listening to the Bible Roots Podcast with Pastor Randy Frazee. If you're a church leader looking for creative ideas to help your church engage more deeply with the Bible, this podcast is for you. And now, for today's episode. Well, welcome everybody to episode five of the Bible Roots Podcast. My name is Randy Frazee, and I get to be the host of this wonderful show. Uh, This podcast is totally devoted to the topic of Bible engagement. Why? Because Bible engagement is the number one catalyst for spiritual growth with no close second. If you're not convinced of that, I encourage you to go to episode one, where we lay that out for you to discover. Now, if you're a pastor or responsible for leading people spiritually, maybe through education, academics, a small group, your family, or even one-on-one coaching or discipleship, this podcast is for you and everybody that you know. So we want to encourage you to share uh, this podcast uh, with others. Well, today is going to be a great conversation. My guest is Dr. Phil Collins. Phil is the professor of Christian ministries and the director of Taylor University Center for Scripture Engagement. He is the general editor of the Abide Bible Project and participates in Taylor's theological theology for high school students called Empower. Phil has a PhD in educational psychology from Purdue University and a master's in Christian education from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and a master's in Old Testament history from the Institute of Holy Land Studies. Holy cow, that's a lot of stuff. Okay, I went to Holy Land Studies. I didn't finish up there. I came running back to get married. So I took classes there, don't have a master's degree. Well, that gives me some level of comfort, you know, because I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't be interviewing you at all. Hey, and before Uh, we get started, Phil, thank you for being on the show. I just wanted to say that I've enjoyed also your music over all these years. Yeah, right. It's a little sideline thing I do. No, no, (laughs) that's uh, that's a different Phil Collins. Uh, I do like his music. He's got this great song, Just Another Day in Paradise. I think that's uh, one of his big songs. I really like that one. Yeah, I like uh, the one I listen to is the one uh, from the Disney show. uh, the Tarzan. Uh, the, the Tarzan one. I <laughs> love that song and his voice. It's really good. And uh, the college and, students do not know anything about Phil Collins, but one will turn to the other and say, you know, Tarzan. That's and then they, they get it. it. Yeah, yeah that's right. Disney literacy. And then I'm sure occasionally you get uh, confused with Dr. Phil, the psychologist. Exactly. I, I get no respect anywhere with my name. I'm always making people laugh. Well, I love my name, Randy Fraser. I think there was a kind of a distant uh, a guitar rock and roll star, but he sort of oh. faded years ago. So I am the one and the only uh, Randy <laughs> Frazee. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, hey, well, let's just jump right in because we got a lot to cover. I'm super excited about this conversation, but I want to begin so that everyone listening or watching can get a, a sort of a, a peek into your life, sort of your uh, personal life, your family, your faith, your journey, just anything you want to share about your personal life. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to do that. Well, thank you. Uh, it's great to be here with Randy, Randy, and it's just good to see you again. Uh, yeah, you bet. I've been married 38 years now to my wife, Terry. Uh, we met here as students, actually, uh, at Taylor University back in the day. We've got two adult married children. Uh, no grandchildren yet, but the first one's on the way, so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, that is so, that's, so cool. That's exciting news. So you, uh, you grew up in a Christian family, right? Yeah. I did. I grew up in a Christian family. My grandfather was a huge impact on all of our family. He was a pastor, uh, just wanted to always grow up to be like my grandfather. He was just an amazing man. I worked with Youth for Christ and as a youth pastor for 16 years, and now I've been at Taylor 
uh, here in the Christian Ministries uh, program for the last 23 years. So yeah, so, we're gonna yeah we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. You know, it's the amount of energy that you've given toward high school and college students. Did you ever have a? It, I, I'm I, you know I know you feel, but I, I, you know I'm a, and I think I know the answer to this. But did you ever have a um, a period where you walked away? I don't think you did. Did you? You know, uh, I tried walking away and I couldn't do it. I struggled deeply with my faith, probably from my junior year in high school until my sophomore year here at Taylor. I kind of came to Taylor to try to figure out if I really wanted to be a Christian. And I, I thought they would help me with the answers and, and kind of in a roundabout way, they really did. But for, for me, I didn't walk away. I, I couldn't get over the resurrection, to tell you the truth. I just really believed there was a person named Jesus and there was great evidence for the resurrection. And there were a lot of things I struggled with, but I always came back to that foundation. I just really, yeah. Jesus, well, so. well, I admire that uh, if, because I grew up in an unchurched home and I would have really given anything to have parents that knew the Lord and were from the very inform, uh, you know, formative days of my life were, were really working that in. I think it's caused a person like me to have to sort of rework things, you know, uh, in those formative years, rework them. So what a great uh, privilege you have in that. And I know a number of people, because I think it's the right answer, uh, who it's all about the resurrection. And mm-hmm. I think if anybody listening who's into Bible engagement, at the end of the day, you know, there's only three, really three serious monotheistic religions, you know, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity that, that are, that are, that are pretty substantial. So monotheism is really pretty significant. So if you're going from atheism to agnosticism, you go into theism, and then you got to decide who is the revelation of that God. And with Christianity, you don't have to decide whether you believe the Bible is the word of God. I do. You don't have to decide if Jonah was swallowed by a fish. I'm comfortable with that. You don't have to believe the bot, you know, the world was created in seven literal, you know, earthbound days, you know, lots of different views on that. But at the end of the day, you can answer this whole thing on whether or not you believe Jesus rose from the dead. And uh, if you believe he rose from the dead, you got your answer. If not, walk away, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I build the rest of what I believe off of, of that truth that Jesus is who he said he was, uh, that we learn about Christ and God you know, through him. And that's uh, really, really the foundation and building block. And not always is and always has been for me. Well, you know, it's so many confusing things going on today. It's just really hard with so many competing philosophies and everything that's going on in Christianity can be overwhelming. And now there's this ex-evangelism, what's it called? It's like, uh, you know, where the deconstruction and just so many things uh, for people. uh, And sometimes, really anchoring yourself on a foundational truth like the resurrection for Christians is really it. So everyone listening, watching, uh, just be reminded that you could be overwhelmed, maybe even a little bit with our conversation today, but just take it back to the resurrection, start from there. And if you get nothing else right, uh, you'll be able to build everything from that. That's a good I really thing. believe in that. That's true. And that but, way for me personally. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, just uh, did a memorial service for a good friend of mine that I was helpful in leading to the Lord. Uh, he was an atheist. Uh, he was a surgeon. And uh, he just really struggled with uh, evolution and uh, creation. And so he just always held back, but he was being drawn into the faith. And, uh, and uh, I gave a message one time on alternatives to seven days, literal creation. And I know people feel I wasn't exp- exposing which particular view I have. I wasn't there. So I don't really know exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and he said, wow, he took away, you know, kind of, I, I don't have to commit intellectual suicide in his mind. And so yeah. now I got to look at the resurrection. 
And when he con he concluded, he was out snowshoeing, and he concluded, that's it. He says, I got to give in. The resurrection, he says, I'm 85% sure Jesus rose from the dead. And anytime I'm 85% sure of anything, I go for it. And he fell down yeah. in the snow and gave his life to Christ. He uh, right. So he came to Christ on the belief of the resurrection, and he just passed away from ALS at the age of 67. And oh, wow. uh, really? he had so much hope fill in his life. He said, I, I believed in the, re the resurrection of Jesus got me here. And it's the promise of my resurrection that gives me hope to face him. And yeah, that's yeah, powerful. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about, because we talked about a lot of college students and high school students and a lot of challenges today, but you've been working with high school and college students for a very long time. And if you could think about maybe trends, you know, what have you seen over the years you've been working with them? What's, what's, what's been happening uh, in terms of trends, in terms of biblical literacy and spiritual passion, church attendance, what's good and what's worse? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. It's a little hard because, you know, my sample size is limited to my experience, but I, I would say that students have changed in some ways, but not in others. That's, you know, my experience. And as I read about college students and, and uh, younger people also, for me, I would say spiritual passion is one of the things that you brought up. Yeah. And I would say that's actually the same. Uh, there's something about being young. Uh, they're passionate. They, uh, they feel strongly. They're thinking strongly. Uh, and, I, and I would say that has not changed. People mm -hmm. come and their, uh, their spiritual passion, sometimes it's misdirected. Uh, sometimes it's spot on, but they, they feel strongly. And, and that's, uh, I would say that's fairly consistent uh, from what I've seen over the years. I would say one of the things that I have seen here at Taylor, and we're reading about it uh, here at Taylor, that's happening in every single school that we know about, that this age is struggling with mental health issues yep. uh, at a more pronounced rate. I don't think it's just because we're paying more attention to it or labeling it. I just think they're actually uh, struggling more. Uh, we're dealing with that here. Great people, loved by God, uh, sometimes uh, often deeply passionate uh, for the Lord, good homes, uh, but they're struggling. Uh, they've got these mental health issues that are hurting them and hurting those around them. And uh, whether it's them or their families, it, it's, a, it's a big deal. Yeah, I wonder, yeah, do you have a, a I mean, uh, so one of the things you said, and again, you and I are- yeah you know, have our own limited context, but we do reading on a broader level. And yeah. I would concur. We, we talk with our student pastor here and he says, uh, the number one thing that parents are coming to me with, these are kids that are inside the church. Yeah. Uh, is that, is there, is there, how do they help their kid with the mental health issues, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, suicidal ideations, yeah. uh, just confusion uh, uh, and just really struggling. And, and uh, you're, 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 you said, I, I think it, it's not that there's there's more people. It's, 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 it's not that it was the same and we're just talking about it. You think it's actually grown. Do you have any, any sense? I mean, maybe, I know maybe getting outside of both of our, uh, our uh, personal uh, professions in terms of any sense of what's causing that societal wise. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know for sure. I would say a few things that are probably in the mix would be, you know, just the growth of social media uh, issues that are there, this constant comparing with other people and presenting yeah. a face that's not real, yeah. uh, kind of a lack of authenticity in that world. So people don't see each other in a real way. And 
everybody else seems fine and I know I'm not fine. So what's wrong with me? I think that comparison process is probably a big part of it. I, you know, this maybe is a little controversial, but a lot of people would say that young people, teenagers are in some ways being abandoned by adults, that they scare adults. So they deal with them more in kind of a contractual relationship. You do this, I'll do this, as opposed to immersing themselves in their lives and loving them and bringing them along and caring for them. So uh, they're hearing from their peers and less so from loving, caring adults in their lives. I think those are some of the pieces. Yeah. Wow. I, I want to dive just a little bit more into this because I know a lot of people listening in our church, this is the the number one thing that our Christian parents are struggling with. A couple of yeah. things I want to, before I forget this one, because I wasn't thinking about uh, the distance between the, the, the communal relationship between parents and the extended community around our students. That's very fascinating. Yeah. I read, there was a study that came out several years ago on, on the role of community and uh, and they were basically saying the number one thing to help kids, I don't know if it's the number one thing, but the, the one of the biggest things that kids need was this adult community around them, including their parents and extended family. But it, it, did, it needed to be what they said was not authoritarian, but authoritative, meaning yeah. authoritarian is heavy handed, lording it over them and just bossing yep. around. Authoritative was really more of this loving sets of boundaries and loving them and walking with them, you know, like in the book of Proverbs. And he says that's that absence of that has caused them to uh, drift. And you're maybe even suggesting that it's it's uh, it's like sort of Lord of the Flies, you know, they're on an island by themselves right, without yeah. any guidance and that didn't turn out so good. It did not. <laughs> you know, the other thing I think is is the is the social media. We know that for women, uh, girls, uh, they're bu- the bullying with girls on social media. But I think you hit the bigger one, and it's not only with young people, but it's with adults. You know, we the Instagram face that we put up, you know, yep. is just not who we really are. We know it when we post it, but yet when other people post it, we think, "Wow, their life is so great," but right. it's any better than ours. But we then compare ourselves, and I think our identity is really challenged uh in that right. experience which i think identity is a big one uh for sure and i think there's fear factors but I, but i know that right now what i've been listening to is that you know when in in our day you know it was russia you know it was the it was the possibility of nuclear war now of course that's yeah. kind of reoccurring right now again yeah. but it was always that we thought oh we're going to have a nuclear war and and so that trauma but more recently i've read that it's it's a climate issue for a lot mm. of young people and it kind of creates this sort of existential angst in their heart that I think works, uh, works through that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I had not heard that. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, uh, definitely a topic of conversation. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, within the brain structure, amygdala is always looking for something to fear. And, you know, we've transitioned it from the Cold War to climate control. And, and you know, and I think there's all kinds of issues with younger kids now coming up with the gender issues and confusion related yeah. to that and adults coming to them and putting things in their heads and maybe that's where they're at. And I just think it's a bit overwhelming from the peanut butter and jelly sandwich era that I felt like I grew up in. One of the things you also brought up was biblical literacy. And uh, for sure, uh, all of us uh, that are in this department, I'm I'm actually the chair of the Bible, Christian ministries, philosophy and uh, missions programs here at Taylor. And across the board, we would say that students are changes over the last 23 years that I've been here, uh, that students are coming in with less biblical understanding. Yeah. Their desire and value for the Bible is high. Mm-hmm. Their actual reading and knowledge is low. 
So that's been another change we've noticed. And yet they're probably more educated uh, in terms of exposure to education, maybe than any, you know, any other generation. And yet yeah, that's right. And, and so they're unable to articulate their faith and what they believe and why they believe it. But they're very much able to articulate things that they've studied in school. Uh, Christian Smith uh, is really behind all of this. His research on this generation is just fascinating. And it, it's not that they can't do it. They can, yeah. but they've not been provided opportunities to talk about their faith, think about it, verbalize it, uh, so that when they're in other situations, they, they can do the same thing. And that biblical understanding really is dropped off. Yeah, I think we need to probe this just for a little bit longer, Phil, then we'll move on. Um, sure. because, because again, a lot of adults, whether they're pastors or teachers or just parents listening to this podcast, their number one driving concern is the outcome of their kids. I mean, that's yes. number one for them. And uh, here you are, someone who lives in the space of the kids leave their nest and they come to you, you know, and, right. and a lot of them do. And, and they're coming with this uh, lower grade of literacy in the scripture, which this whole podcast is saying, man, engaging the Bible is the number one catalyst for the life that you were always intended to live. So what brought us here? And we're going to point our fingers to ourselves, but what have we failed? What has the church failed to do, the family failed to do? Uh, and then, then what are societal issues that has caused maybe us to be in this spot? That's a great question. Let's, let me talk a little bit about churches. And you have to understand, I'm a deep church goer and member. This is me talking about my family, not you know, throwing stones at somebody else. Yeah. But just sheer uh, statistically, people are attending church less often. Yes. Uh, right. If you if you consider churches that talk about you're a regular tender, you're attending probably once every three weeks. Yeah. And the amount of time that people are coming to church is lowered. And I would say that over the years, churches have less of an education program than they used to. There's a lot less actual training, whether that's Sunday school or other opportunities where people are sitting down, learning about the Bible. What does it say? How does this work? You know, what are the books of the Bible about and what's the big flow of everything, right? Coming back to your storing idea from your previous work that you've done. Uh, so I, I think it makes sense if we're going less, we're being educated less. Families haven't been equipped in most cases to do the education of their own children, which they're responsible for uh, in the home. Uh, there's just a, a lot less going on educationally. So the students not being, you know, young people not being trained in this area, then they have a lack in this area. You know, Great Commission in Matthew 28 talks about making disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. It's that, that all piece that uh, is really that educational aspect of the church that, that we need to, to focus in on and, and try to learn more about that. I think, I think just basic biblical literacy, knowledge, those kind of things, the church needs to prepare parents and the church needs to find a way that fits this generation uh, to do that process. Yeah, it's just popping off a lot of things in my mind because it's it's like a perfect storm almost. And you know, while church attendance has declined, the opportunity for uh, and pressure for parents to get their kids involved in so many other things is way yeah. greater than when I was a kid. I played summer little league. You know, it wasn't like all year round little league select sports, and then that's just one thing. So they they've got this pressure to be involved in all these things, and there's only so much time available. 
and, uh, and, and so they're coming to us less. So even if we have a heart for discipleship in the church, they're not giving us as much time. And, and while they're not giving us as much time, they're also in this information age, they're also taking in volumes of content other than, you know, back when it used to be in the day when I first, first started going to church as a teenager, my, my family wasn't going, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, remember all that? I mean, yeah, we were getting sure. at least Did all, of that. all of that. And now we're getting one a month. And but it's being bombarded with a, a totally different worldview in so many other uh, places in their life. I think that's a, a, a big, a big part of it for sure. And, you know, I think for the church, there has been an era that we're coming out of. And I think COVID maybe have helped us where we're shifting away from attendance fascination to engagement. And, yes. uh, and I think that's going to be a healthy outcome of this, don't you think? I, I hope so. That would be a very good outcome from a hard situation. Yeah, we've just uh, orchestrated, a, uh, instituted a, a, a series with engagement being a bigger issue from us. So if you didn't ask me today, I would know what we had on Sunday only because someone just told me, but we're not focusing in on the attendance as much as we are the engagement. And uh, we started these essential classes and, uh, and where we said, these are the fundamentals that you need. We're trying to provide them in the different venues like online and stuff. And uh, one of them is called, this is a Bible, which is just the fundamentals of how does your Bible laid out? It's the largest class we have. We have 120. Yeah. We have 120 people in this current, uh, uh, I think it's seven week program. It's the number one by a long shot. People are like, if you'll just help me with the basics and the fundamental, that would be pretty good. I think those of us who are kind of professional Christians, you know, we uh, are in this world, we often overestimate uh, the people that we're serving, what they know and their experiences and kind of talk in a way that is, is past people. And sometimes we very much need to go back and and, and provide different levels of learning from very early to, yes, we need more advanced things. And I like teaching the advanced things, but there's an awful lot of people who need some, some really core basics. How do I start? How do I do this? Help me. Yeah, that's really good, man. You and I could go on. I want to keep drilling down, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I, I had another thing I, I, I want to bring, uh, ask you to rank, and we've covered a little bit of this, but I'd love to see if yeah. you could uh, put them in a particular order for, from your perspective, and I can give you mine. It says, rank sure. in order what you believe to be the biggest barrier to people engaging the word. And I gave you four, maybe you'll have more. One of them is margin and time. The other yep. one is they don't have a plan. They don't know what to do. And number right. three is just interest. They just like, I don't really care about it. And number four is just biblical illiteracy or biblical literacy issue, meaning that I just, uh, I don't have the ability to do this. Yeah, so yeah. How would Very you rank good. those? Well, when you ask people to rank them, why don't you read the Bible? Uh, margin is the first one. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Just say I don't have enough time. Uh, and in one way, I totally understand, understand that. Uh, we're busy, running fast, lots going on. But the truth is, that's an excuse. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I find time in my life for the things that I delight in. And uh, if I'm too busy for something, it just is another way of saying I don't delight in it. Right. Psalm 1 talks about delighting in the law of the Lord in yeah. the scripture. And uh, in some ways, maybe that's the place to start is to help people uh, mm. to find their delight in meeting Christ in scripture, uh, going to the Bible, I meet Christ. It's amazing to have a sense of a relationship with Christ. It's what I'm built for. Uh, and then the margin thing starts to drift. I find time for uh, the things I love. 
You know, it's really interesting. Um, uh, American Bible Society did a Bible engagement study here in Kansas City, where I live, and margin yeah. margin did come as the number okay. one reason. But I think you've drilled underneath this a little bit more. Uh, I'm thinking of Dallas Willard. Um, he had a thing called VIM, you know, vision, intention, and means. And he said, you, you know, a lot of times we go right to the means, you know, of how do you do something when a person doesn't have the intention. And the reason they don't have the intention is they don't really have a vision for yeah. what this will do for them so that you're kind of going to the so going away from the systemic down to the fundamental root cause here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. And then if you have a vision, then I would list as the second uh, most important thing is that people uh, actually don't know what to do with the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they don't know where to start or how to read or listen because an awful lot of people are not readers. So you're asking them to do something that's quite difficult. They don't do a lot of, they're not good at it, uh, whatever. So what are other ways to come to scripture besides reading, uh, listening, doing things in groups? There's all sorts of other ways of doing that. But uh, I think we've probably done a poor job of uh, helping people to know how to come to scripture, that we just kind of tell them, go do it. But it's not that easy just to know how to do it. It, it seems like, well, just go read a book. Uh, well, there's more to it when it comes to scripture. Oh, so Phil, this I, is I, I was, plan number two. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, the, you know, uh, this uh, tees up what we're getting ready to go into and why yeah. why I wanted you so desperately to be on this podcast and so excited about everybody listening and watching to hear. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right. I mean, so if a person does get a vision, which again, us as church leaders and other uh, small group leaders and youth leaders, we need to do a better job of giving people that Psalm 1 delight. And, yeah. then, and then they'll automatically go to intent, but they're also struggling at like, what do you do with it? And you, I, I remember when I was 14 and opened up the Bible for the first time, I was not, uh, you know, just you, the Bible is a, well, it's a bit of an interesting book, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's got weird names and weird customs and things in the old testament i'm not really sure that should have happened and yeah and just virgin births and i don't know miracles and fish being you know swallowing up home i just i just <laughs> i think that it's a bit, bit, bit of an outer uh, book and while i am all about scripture uh, distribution i think that's a big part of the deal the idea of just yeah. dropping bibles out of a helicopter uh is a, is a problem and i think another thing is 70 percent of the world are uh their their method of learning is not reading so yeah. they, they are uh auditorial or visual learners oral learners not, yeah oral, oral learners is what i meant yes yeah, 70 yeah. now more than 70 percent can read but 70 percent, even people who can read today like in the united states they don't choose to and so this is a big big part of it coke so if you want to say something else you can but i really want to make sure we leave a lot of time for the main reason for this conversation, because yeah. you have given a large chunk of your life to this project called Abide, uh, which I've been privileged to 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 help you uh, with all of this. And so uh, let's dive in there. You know, first of all, like what is Abide, and why did you decide to do it? Yeah, Abide is is really a, just a process of learning to back to the Book of John, abide with Christ. How do you? have somebody who learns to dwell, to live with, to abide uh, with Christ. And the premise is the primary way that we do that is we come to uh, scripture to do that. Uh, and that's what you've been saying. The research says that's exactly right. We've been doing research here at Taylor. It says exactly the same thing, that this is the foundation of how to love God and to love others is to be engaged in scripture. And that doesn't mean to just 
read the words and, you know, like a textbook, I read the words, I'm ready for the test. You got to soak it in and understand it. And, uh, and in the case of scripture, let it uh, transform you. Uh, but really the question that grabbed me, I don't know, 12 years or so ago was, how do you teach somebody to read the Bible? And I didn't have uh, a good answer for that. Mm. Now, I was old enough that I was secure enough in myself to say, I don't know. When I was younger, I think I would have said, oh, this is how you do it. And I didn't know. Then I got to the point where I'm, you know what, I don't, I, reading scripture has been the most important part of my spiritual life since I was 12. It's changed me, but nobody's really taught me how to read scripture to be transformed, to meet Christ. Uh, and I have all these years of ministry experience, and I, I was just willing to say, I don't know. I have not done a good job at this. And so I've really committed these last uh, dozen years or so to try to learn how to do this better. Uh, it's not a new problem. It's uh, not a new solution, really church has been quite good at this over the years, but we need to teach a new generation. We need to focus in on this process uh, to, to have this vision to help people learn how to engage scripture, spiritual uh, transformation. Well, a couple of things come to my mind. One, by, by really anchoring this all on the concept of abiding in Christ, you're obviously uh, wanting people to engage the Bible with their mind, but at the end of the day, you want it to be a real relationship with Christ, and, and that's really where it's going to be transformable, which I think is yes. a brilliant name for that. And then number two, just the acknowledgement that we've got a different world today than we did back in the day when people were just learning to read for the very first time, the Gutenberg Press and all of that, and people are, the majority of them couldn't read back then, but, you know, reading, you know, without as many um, uh, uh, distractions, you know, reading was something where people were doing longer, deep dives of content. And well, that's changed in our yeah. world today. We are the 140 character culture. And, uh, but even before all of that, even before that, the Bible offers up many ways in which to engage the scriptures, yeah. which I think is really, really important. You know, and when we talk about this, Randy, I, I really don't want to make this too complicated. The Bible's for everyone. Eugene Peterson says it's for the little shepherd boy and the little shepherd girl. It's mm -hmm. it's understandable. Yes, there's complexities. Yes, you just don't go pick it up and read it. But, but we can do this. It, it, it's not that complicated. We can learn some basic things and, uh, and help each other go through this process. And, and it's very doable. This is not beyond us. I think we got to keep saying that over and over and over again, because people look at the Bible and it just seems overwhelming to them. And I think coming back and saying, and you know, another thing you said, Phil, that was fascinating to me is that you've been in this for a long time and people ask the question, you know, how do I read the Bible? I didn't have a good answer for that. I mean, like, well, this is like, um, you know, Captain Obvious here, you know, we, we should have probably had the, both of us, we should have had, this is one of the fundamental things that we learned how to do in our education and one of the fundamental things, but the truth is, here you are, I mean, one of the most decorated guys out there, and and you had to admit 12 years ago, like, I don't really know if I had a real good answer for that. Well, that's important. Yeah, yeah. Dietrich Bonhoeffer back in the day in his seminary said that seminarians come because they want to learn how to pray and how to read their Bible. I'm not sure that has changed too much. Uh, <laughs> that's that what my students want. They, they want to know, have that close relationship with God. How do I do this? This is the foundation. Let's, let's do that. So, well, yeah. this is a clarion call for 
churches and, and educational institutions that are committed to training up that we really need to get back to the basics again, really have a fundamental commitment and to, cr- to transition our margin. If, if COVID has not taught us anything, it's taught us we need to transition our priority and our focus uh, to really having these things down. And you can't, yeah. just, you can't just serve it up in a boring sort of way. It's got to be effective and wooing and simple, as you've been saying, yeah. uh, which I think is a, okay. So uh, I really had a, a lot of fun interviewing you for this new project coming out abide which is uh i'm so excited to to do it here at Westside family where i'm at and i'm excited to encourage everybody to engage because i think it's going to be just a a revolution uh for people and uh, in in it you have a lot of ways in which to approach the bible but we did five specific ways and uh i don't again i just want to give people a taste that might get them back to that psalm one passion for delight. We covered five ways, different ways to engage the scripture. Do you mind if we just take one at a time and just just a little snippet of what we covered? Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. These are five good ways to engage scripture. There are other ways written about some other ways, more than five. I think we wrote about 13 of them or so that are on Bible Gateway uh, on that website, but uh, these are five good core ways. And, And what I want to kind of start to say is that like there's many ways to exercise, but you got to need to get your heart going. You need to have some kind of resistance with your muscles. You know, you, you, you need to do cardio things, but there's a lot of ways to do it. And you might, I think you're a swimmer, Randy, and uh, have access to swimming and like swimming. And I might drown if I get in the pool, if I'm not a <laughs> swimmer, right? So that doesn't mean everybody needs to be a swimmer to, uh, you know, to exercise. So you kind of have to find your way through and say, these are the these are the pieces that I want to do, but there's ways to mix and match them. So uh, that's kind of the foundation. Not yeah. there's not one size fits all. This works for you doesn't mean it works for everybody. Uh, so you as an individual probably need to experiment. And if you're a ministry person, you need to be aware of some other ways because you've got people that you love that you want them to meet Christ in God's Word in the Scripture. And you need to be able to help them experiment until they kind of what kind of find what fits them. So yeah, let's talk about the first one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I just want to say before you dive into the first one, that's brilliant. It's a wonderful, simple analogy that everybody understands. You know that some people like to say swim, some people like to run, some people like classes, and other people, you know, like competition. Some people like to be alone. Yeah. You know, and and there's just these different experiences. Some people like to use weight. Some people like to just use body resistance. And and the reality is, is a lot of people jump out of exercising because someone told them there's only one way to do it, and they don't like it. You know, it didn't work yeah. for them. And so yeah, or it works for a period of time, but it doesn't work later. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, you that's know, happened you, in my you, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, now so, dive into right. yeah, dive right, into the so, first one. Hi, this is Randy Frazee, host of the Bible Roots Podcast, which is brought to you by my friends at Harper Christian Resources. Harper Christian Resources equips you to understand the scriptures, cultivate spiritual growth, and disciple your people with Bible study resources from today's most trusted voices. Yeah, the first one, uh, praying scripture. Mm. This is uh, not complicated, but the idea is simply to use the words of scripture to guide your personal prayers. Uh, You're kind of gaining your language for your thinking, for your emotions, the things that you want to express from a passage. So the the most easy and well-known example of this would be praying the Lord's Prayer. But there's other prayers we can pray. There's 
topics we can pray through. If I'm feeling anxious or need to grow in my love for other people, I can read those passages and think about uh, how to pray those passages. But really, you can pray any kind of passage. You just take the ideas. What is this teaching me about God? What am I learning about myself? And then immediately turn that into prayer. So praying scripture is it's it, really straightforward. Instead of reading and then praying, it's I read and pray all at the same time. Yeah, I like it. I, and, I, and I'm assuming it won't work for every passage of scripture, but is almost putting your name in almost a first person in some of the passages. Some they won't work, obviously. Yeah, actually, yeah. putting your yeah, name it's in It's a very good way to. Yeah, like Romans 8, I'm thinking of, you know, where, you know, we are more than conquerors to say, I, Randy Frazee, am more than a conqueror through him. And you just pray that out. And the other thing I think I like about this, because this has become an important process for me, is that in the process of, um, of reading the scriptures intellectually, you're also having a relationship and a conversation with God. Would that be? Yes. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And, and we're gonna our, link our faith it. is more than our minds. It's, it's our whole being. And we, we need to work on that, especially somebody who tends to lead with their mind like I tend to. I yeah. need more than just my mind to have a relationship with Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. I, again, I want to go in so many directions on that, but we're going to just give a nice little taste here. And we're going sure. to link to all of your, all 13, you know, where you've written and spoken on all 13 of these and where the sure. current project that's coming out is going to be at. Let's start, is the next one engaging through art? Yeah, let's talk about that one. That's uh, that's a different one. It's something I've been learning a lot about. So it's taking a photograph or sculpture of a painting that connects in some way with a passage. Uh, and you're letting the artist who has studied a passage make a commentary on the passage. But instead of uh, using words and uh, writing about history or you know, context of the passage or theology, the artist looks at a passage and tries to help you to connect with it uh, emotionally. Uh, and you can use the passage and the commentary by the visual artist as a way to connect into the passage emotionally. And I have uh, started doing this with people and just get the most amazing reactions out of most people, but for sure, a, a certain group of people are just so visually oriented that this really amazing scriptural art that's out there can be really a, a good way to connect with what's going on in a passage. I think that someone listening, watching might go like, oh, yeah, I'm not that artistic type. It may actually be surprising because when uh, and I'm encouraging everybody to get the curriculum, when we had this session, we actually put up some artwork and led them through that whole experience. You have a, you know, and I know you have a, a one particular uh, we, we use. Is that, that's not the painting behind you though, right? That's, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I've it. got a pretty large uh, example here. Let me see. Yeah, go ahead and turn your, yeah. So those of you who are listening, you might want to. I didn't just it. put that up there for today. I, no. this is very meaningful to me. This, uh, the calling of Matthew by Caravaggio. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's meaningful to me. It gets well, to me emotionally and makes me think about my relationship with God. Well, uh, we won't go through it because that's why we want them to pick up this curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> you walk you them through this experience as right there on the on the program, I think was is really, really awesome. So this is not just for the creative types. This may be surprisingly the missing piece in, in your walk. Yeah. Uh, journaling, okay? I, I kind of yeah. saw that one coming, but tell us a little bit more about that one. Sure. There are so many people that journal scripture. Uh, the idea is instead of just reflecting on what's going on uh, with the passage in my in my mind, I, I pull out a pen and paper and uh, write about the passage, what 
you know, what I'm thinking about it, what I'm feeling about it, questions that I have, maybe handcuffing out a verse or two, uh, writing out a prayer. There's just all sorts of things uh, that you can do. And it's a way to open up yourself to God's voice in a, and a way to ponder, really, uh, to meditate on God's word. And I know you're, you're a big journaler. I am. Uh, so, so tell us about your experience a little bit, Randy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're sitting right over there. I've got a big journal, a small journal. I've got now in the small journal, I started really uh, putting them in the same journal, type of journal uh, back in 05, I think it is. And so I just uh, opened up journal number, uh, started journal number 63 on that journal. And, wow. and yeah, you know, I had never been really much of a journal before then. Now, one of the things about my journal, I use it for everything. So I'm also, if I'm going to do my budget, you know, I'll do it in that same journal because I found right. if, the, if, if I only do it for the spiritual time, then I only do it when it's in my, it's all the way over there. So I carry it with me all the time and I use it for everything. Oh, I just it. So that helped me. That may not work yeah. for everybody. And then I can just go back to dates and, and uh, what I, what really convinced me, but after I got committed was the, the studies that are out on what happens to a person when they do this, like journaling for 20 minutes or 10 minutes a day for four times or whatever it might be. And how God's wired us to, to go deeper with it. I went through a, a, season, a season of depression and, and basically I was instructed by my doctor to journal through the Psalms. And I got up every morning and, and uh, I did exactly what you've suggested. And I'm telling you, it was a major part of lifting me out of that uh, depression. And, uh, and so I've become now to a point where I feel very anxious if I don't do it, because I feel like it's a, it's a very important practice for me. Yeah, and, very good. It, it's a, become a delight for you. You don't have to be told to do it. You, you want to. Because it's uh, it's a salvation for me, not in the same yeah. sort of way as myself, but it's 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 like it, it keeps me keeps me uh, in in a, in a place of joy, and uh, yeah. so it works for me in a big way. Okay, let's go to picture yeah, yeah. it. Picture it. Yeah, this this is pretty simple. You know, when I go to a movie or uh, read a story, I tend to imagine myself into the story. Uh, I did this more when I was younger, I think, and better when I was younger. But the idea of putting yourself in as a bystander or participate or as a participant in, in a biblical story, put yourself in, what does it oh, feel like? Yeah. What does it smell like? What does it look like? Uh, what are you, what are you hearing that's going on? Uh, live the story. Jesus told so many stories and the whole Bible, about 70% stories is, is uh, what I've been told. And all those stories are inviting us to go in, experience what that would be like to, to meet Jesus, to watch the Red Sea part, uh, you know, what, feel it at a deeper level. And uh, you can be trained to do that. Yeah. I think we train ourselves not to do that. Uh, and we need to train ourselves back into doing. Yeah, I tell you, um, I'll give you an example. I'm taking uh, two groups to Israel and uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with them to prepare them and to get their journals all set to them. And, and, and I did this because uh, you really taught me about this. And I said, now on the last day, the very last place we're going to go, I said, now I want you to close your mind, close your eyes. And I took them there and, and it's in the valley where David slew Goliath. And I said, I want you to go there with me. And, uh, and I just took them there. And now you, that this, you're in this situation and how are you feeling? And you did Saul's armor and all this stuff. And, you know, you're standing, this guy's nine foot tall and and you've had this experience with the Lord that he's been with you when you wrestled a bear and a lion. And, 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 and boy, people were weeping. 
they really were. Now I said, now we're going to actually be in the valley. That's a lot easier to picture when you're in it. But what you're saying is even in the, even if you can't go there, you can read the story and just imagine you're a teenage boy standing before this giant. And if you lose, you know, Israel is going to become subservient and lose their eyeballs to, to the Philistines. Is that kind of similar? That is it. Exactly. I, I think this is why God tells us stories to invite us to adjust the stories of our lives to this broader story that God is telling in scripture of what's true and right and real. The world tells us a story. Our family tells us a story. We invent our own stories for our lives. Yeah. God's overarching story and how we fit into it uh, is a game changer. And imagining yourself into those stories that picture it process that yeah. be very powerful you can take it too far and do stupid things with it that's not what we're saying <laughs> uh, we're not we're giving you a saying, license to be stupid <laughs> use the bible the way it's supposed to be yeah 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 absolutely yeah. i i think i would say phil that i probably use picture it in my sermon preparation more than any of these is that because i'm trying to help my congregation or, or who i'm teaching i'm trying to help them enter into the story and let sort of the worldview of the character of the story in the Bible connect with their worldview and then to create that disruptive idea where they either did something they shouldn't yeah. have done or they did something that was the game changer and for them to say that's what I need to do you know right yeah very good that the modeling both positive models and negative models in the Bible are are uh, great ways to learn it's 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 good education really yeah I think one of the simplest ways also one of the simplest ways also so Phil I think that parents children could uh, do the stories of the Bible. And, and again, instead of just telling them kind of as a, as a distant thing, you know, kind of like really invite their kid to be that character, you know, uh, and, and, and teach them the stories, not only biblical literacy will rise, but I think there'll be a deeper connection. Is that fair? Yeah. You know, I, I actually think some of the best uh, scripture engagement processes teaching wise happen with children. Uh, you've got to be creative to keep their attention and yeah. uh, help them learn. And, you know, there's a lot of passion that happens in children's ministry that uh, is really done well, that somehow we kind of wander away in some ways as we get older. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay. Contemplate. Uh, it's so easy. To, we just want to dive into all of it, but let's go, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Contemplate. All right. Uh, so this uh, contemplate is a long-standing practice of the church of doing four steps in scripture engagement. It's reading, just simply reading a passage, then meditating on it. Meditating is a process of turning over uh, the ideas, the images, what's going on in the passage over and over in your mind. It's not Eastern meditation. It's, it's biblical meditation is a strong focus in on what's going on. So I read, I I meditate, and then that meditation becomes a stepping stone into prayer. Uh, so reading without meditating uh, is, is empty. So you read, meditate, ponder, reflect, uh, dwell on a passage, abide in the passage, and then you pray. You turn the passage, your life that you've been meditating on in light of the passage, and you turn that into a prayer. Uh, and then the last stage, contemplating, is just kind of being quiet with the Lord, being with the Lord, not talking, not wanting, you know, it's just kind of enjoying his presence. It's, it's like being with a good friend or uh, my case with my wife, Terry, of 38 years, which is like being with each other. Yes. Uh, and it's kind of calming your soul before God and just enjoying him. That's a hard one. At least it is for me. Uh, nobody ever taught me I was supposed to be quiet with the Lord. Uh, yeah. It just was 
told me to read and pray, which is good, but that's, those are the four steps. I like that. It's an ancient process and it has a name to it, right? Uh, Lexio Divina. Yeah. Uh, that just is Latin for divine reading or holy reading, uh, godly reading. Uh, and yeah, those are the, the four steps that people have been writing about uh, for at least 1400 years. Uh, but I think anybody who's read the Bible fairly often reads, kind of thinks about it, and maybe talks to God about it. You know, that, that's kind of a natural process. But this is, contemplate uh, Lexio Divina is a good way to kind of train people how to do kind of some of the foundational ideas of what we're talking well, about. Well, you know, this is super popular now because anybody who has an eye watch, it reminds them several times a day to enter into a little season of mindfulness, which is, uh, mm. which is basically a kind of for many people like a new idea. But the reality is historical Christianity and even just uh, uh, even the Old Testament scriptures invites us to meditate. And we're just adding maybe uh, guidance to effective meditation, which I think is, uh, is, a, yeah. is a good thing. Yeah, and it's really a, a, a focus in on what God is saying uh, yes. through his word. Yeah, yeah. good. That's really good. Okay, which a couple things as we wrap up. Um, as you've been doing this now for 12 years, have you found uh, uh, any of these five that's emerged as maybe the more popular? Yeah, there, there's some research evidence. I saw one study that asked people what they do and journaling, your, your, your topic. And there's a lot of ways to journal, but sitting down with a pen or pencil and paper yeah. is probably the most uh, positive or popular, I should say. And uh, as I've done scripture engagement workshops, um, many different places and groups that have come here, I ask, you know, do any of you do this? And journaling is, is almost always, uh, there's a group of people that are very loyal and it's pretty good size group. So I, I would say journaling is probably of those five, uh, the most popular. Yeah. I spotted that. Yeah. And it, it is true for me. I am, I am though, uh, venturing out uh, for some new discoveries and um, really the, engaging in the art is the one through art is the one I'm really working through now, which, which is there one that's, again, you said it's also seasonal. So is there one maybe in this season that's working best, which one's working best for you right now? Yeah, I probably do a combination of praying scripture and picturing it most yeah. often. So I tend to read a, a passage, not too long. And I, I usually actually look at some study Bibles uh, and just try to understand what the passage says. And then I read the passage through a number of times. So I, I don't know, I don't catch it all the first time. I, I can't just read a passage and know everything about it the first time. So I read it multiple times. And then I go back and I try to picture myself in the passage, if that's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, I try to say, okay, what's happening here? What can I see? What do I need to pay attention to? Oh, here's something obscure. Maybe I need to look at that. What's it really trying to say in a deeper level connected to my life? And, and then I go through and pray. I talk to God about what the passage is bringing up in me and turn it into a conversation. Yeah, so... That is that's awesome. just where I'm at right now. No, that I get it. Yeah, I, that's I, for I, everybody. I, again. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you and I, you know, we we traffic in this stuff quite a bit. So, you know, we're trying to the person that's working a full time job and raising little kids and all that just to encourage yeah. them to not be overwhelmed. That's right. Pick one and go to the one that just draws you going back to your word abide. Let, let me ask you the question about for leaders, which is, you know, primarily our audience introducing or incorporating abide 
uh, which is a, 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 a you know is a is an experience that will that is that is coming out through Zondervan. Um, what's the best way to introduce the idea and, and ultimately this uh, material you've created into the life of the church? Yeah, you know, as I've talked to various pastors really around the country, when they, we just might be chatting and they'll ask me about what I'm up to, and I'll bring this. I go from kind of a casual conversation to a real focused conversation very quickly. They want to know, how do I help my people engage in scripture? Uh, and that's always been very encouraging to me. I'm not trying to push something on people that they don't want, but people yeah. actually, I think, are, are very interested in, in doing this. And I really believe in the leadership of the church that uh, God has given leaders to the church to help guide them, the shepherding idea. Uh, it's really our, our, our job to lead people uh, to places where they can eat and drink and, and be spiritually healthy, part of our shepherding, uh, pastoring process. And uh, really a focused leader can have a huge impact on a group of people. And I'd probably say there's three places to do that, maybe simply. One is the preaching, teaching level. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think many churches are actually pretty good at this. Uh, they're good at helping people understand what a passage means in depth. Uh, I love good preaching. I listen to sermons during the week and Sunday. I, I do want to caution people in those teaching, preaching situations. Sometimes we can overemphasize kind of this idea, you know, you think this passage means this, but let me tell you what it really means. And that's true. Uh, you know, I don't want to downplay that, but Sometimes our message is heard. The Bible's so complicated, I can't understand it. I have to be a professional. That's your job. And we somehow need to both teach and help people be equipped that you can do this, right? There, there's a logical term, uh, and, and this is all about college, right? Learning a new word, perspicuity. This, the scripture's clear enough to understand. And we need to have both this balance of teaching, but equipping to say that you can do this also. It's, it's not just for professionals. Um, so that, that would be one place. Yeah. Got two more if you want them or. Yeah. Yeah. Comments. Yeah. Let, let me, let me stop there just for one second. You know, I mean, this is good stuff. And I think so a, a pastor teacher could really model this and really can draw upon the multiple sensory options we have in a modern society today. Our visuals yeah. that we can use on us on a Sunday or in a classroom or our animations for art and just so many different ways. If so, if we could model this for yeah. them, it'll take away the mystique that it's all that hard. So that's number one. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. What's number two? That's good. So besides that preaching teaching level, uh, I really equip people for small groups. Mm -hmm. They really need to learn from each other. All of our research says that people that are engaging scripture with other people are also really probably the best way to put it is more spiritually mature. They're reporting their love of God and love of others and their changed lives. It's, you need to do this not just by yourself. Uh, that's kind of where I'm going next. You should do it by yourself, but not just by yourself. Yeah. You know, so if the, you know, professional like us, we study the Bible and the Bible's behind us and we're here. And then the congregations out there, we're kind of in between us. And then the image of the small group, the scripture Bible in the middle of us, and we'll gather around it and read it together. See how just our little group here 
understands it and can live it out and talk about that process. And then the ministry leader can provide training and materials. And that's really about what the Bide curriculum is about, is to provide a place for small groups to learn how to talk and engage. I think too often people actually don't talk about the passage. They get in small groups and they do pretty much anything else except come to scripture. And that's really, yeah, uh, that is really good. I second think, place. Uh, yeah. Kind of a small I, group level. Yeah. And I'll tell you for, uh, for us here at Westside is uh, so the preaching is a really, really, this has really been helpful for me as I'm, you know, even preparing and saying, yeah, I, I think I've been start, I've been doing this, but I can step this up a little bit. And then uh, for us, I think we've learned, uh, when I learned this through the story, that in creating a bad habit, uh, a breaking a bad habit, if you try to do it on your own, your statistical chances mm. are zero. If you add an effective tool, it inches up to 5%. But if you wrap that tool around community, it jumps all the way up to 40%. And I think the same thing, yeah. breaking a bad habit is also engaging a good habit. Uh, and with divide, if you do it in a small group, uh, you know, for us, I told you earlier about this uh, ongoing class we're offering several times a year, uh, you know, with these essentials called This is a Bible. Abide is a great way to just as an ongoing offering and the curriculum, I I was a part of doing it with you is just, you know, you know, show the video and, and engage the process and just make sure that you encourage your people um, to that. One of the things that we really want you to have in your foundation is to how to gauge the Bible. And so one of the ways practically to do this is wonderful, interactive communal experience called abide. I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 So not, exactly. Yeah. Not, yeah. So yeah, do you have one more? Did we? Is one more? Did we, yeah. And that's more the image that I grew up with, which is just me, my Bible, and Jesus, mm -hmm. right? An individual time with uh, Scripture. And again, I, I think that's important to do, critical to do. I do that every day, but it can't be the only thing. We've got to be involved in community. And we need to teach people how to do this. This is the thing that nobody taught me how to do. You know, give me some tools, give me some training. What am I looking for? Uh, how do I go about this process? Again, what works for one person might not work for, for the other person. Uh, trying to look at these tools of, of how to come to scripture on my own in a way that I'm focusing in on not just information, but transformation by meeting Christ. And, uh, yeah, I think this is and such that's a, part of the abide curriculum too. There are practices. Yeah. yeah, I, I, man, I've seen it in it. I'm just so excited for the church to get this and realize that, that, that you have uh, given a lot of your life to providing uh, for the church and for other organizations for that matter, but for the church, particularly a way to tangibly move from this sort of attractional attendance focus and Sunday morning and, you know, whatever, you know, you're doing to this engagement experience and you're overwhelmed with it, uh, just, you know, model it and then just offer up the abide experience, you know, every, you know, three, four times a year where people can sign up for it and, uh, and just make sure that's a part of the regular process. New people come in. It wasn't something you did once. It's an ongoing thing and creating a culture of expectation that we want you into the word of God. And this is a good way to do it. Okay. Really quick here. Uh, we're going to wrap up with this one. I, sure. uh, cause you've been Phil Collins, the singer, you've been Dr. Collins, Dr. Phil, the psychologist, but I'm calling you King Collins. Now, if you could be King Collins <laughs> for a day 
and people had to do yeah. what you told them to do. They couldn't give you any lip or anything. Uh, what would you uh, tell them to do and include pastors? Like, what's your big pet peeve? And now you're such a gentle man, but I'm inviting you to be a little less gentle. What's the one thing that just drives you crazy or one thing you would encourage us to do? Yeah, well, I think I would, I would talk to the pastors, first of all. Uh, and I would tell them a line from the Reveal study, a study that came out on scripture engagement really about 10 years ago. And they got this great line that says, uh, if they were trying to change the church, they would, they said that they would do three things, inspire, mm. encourage, and equip people mm. in the church to read the Bible specifically to reflect on scripture uh, for meaning in their lives, yeah. right? So mm. those would be the three things that I would really encourage ministry people to do inspire we've been talking about that encourage mm -hmm. and then that equipping process i would call that uh to our pastors and then for just the average people in in the church i would just say there's nothing better than meeting jesus and the primary way that we meet jesus is in scripture and i would try to give them an experience of that so that they taste it and not just oh yeah that's probably true but have this heart knowledge and experiential knowledge that says, oh, I want more of that. Because if that's what happens, if there's a desire there and an experience, if I could pull that off as uh, King Collins for a day, <laughs> you did. Uh, that would be a good day. Force him to do it. Day. That would be a good day. Yeah. And it would be good for everybody else. And that's why I think you so wisely named this Abide, because you're trying to connect the head and the heart together. And if that Psalm 1 delight emerges within the job is done because we have the tools, the means, if we can get the vision or the delight going. Okay. Is there anything that we um, haven't said that you'd like to, we talked about that you'd like to wrap up with? Yeah. Maybe that there's just some good resources out there. There's a group of us that are kind of working and, and other people too. It's not just somehow we've got the corner on this. Uh, there are other people, but you know, there's the Abide Bible, the Abide Bible journals. If you're a journal journaler, there's some good tools out there. Uh, the small group curriculum that's coming out, you know, uh, there's a lot of resources. If you uh, just Google scripture engagement, you'll, you'll find quite a bit of uh, resources out there. Uh, some of them, stuff that we've been involved with, some of us, stuff, and others that other people, wonderful people who have hearts just like us. This is many people doing really good things all over the world. Yeah, so, if we can get yeah. that heart going, yeah, it's really good. Uh, we're, and we're going to link everything in the show notes uh, to everything yeah, about yeah. you. But if, if someone wanted to find you or about you, where would you encourage them to go? Yeah, uh, probably the simplest way is just Google Phil Collins scripture engagement, and you'll see things there. Uh, Taylor University, you can do that too. Don't just do Phil Collins. You get this British rocker guy. He'll be back to Tarzan uh, again. But, uh, <laughs> back to Tarzan, which, is, yeah. which is good. Just my, not as my name and then uh, scripture <laughs> engagement. Yeah. You can pitch you in the Tarzan movie. That's good. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Phil. No, you, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not going to work. Yeah. Thank you no. so much for giving us this time. What a wonderful resource that you have given your life to. I can't wait for the world to and experience you. it. You, you yeah. were been so involved. That's really good, Randy. Oh, it's yeah. a real, a Sorry. real delight. Real delight of mine. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up our episode today. Uh, I would encourage you, if you liked what you have heard, leave us a comment and more than anything, 
anything, share this with people you know that would be encouraged. Pastors, leaders that are looking for tangible ways to inspire their congregation and to really engage them in the Word of God, which is the single greatest way that you can catalyze their spiritual growth, which is what our job is all about. Thanks for listening to the Bible Roots Podcast. We hope you were encouraged and energized by our discussion today. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review. This small gesture will help more church leaders discover our conversations around Bible engagement. And don't forget, like and subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss a new episode. Now, may your faith be strengthened through God's word today and every day.